with uh, Axel and the opportunity and need there at um, Cosmos. And uh, apparently we stole someone off the uh, Wilson Church soccer clinic during the week. I don't know. <laughs> Good thing it's all for the kingdom, isn't it? <laughs> so bold prayer. You know, sometimes you get ch challenged as a preacher. You know, we're always... We're, we're preaching these sermons and um, realize how much of it is actually for me and uh, preaching on bold prayer and then I was visiting someone during the week and realized I needed to pray for them boldly, uh, which is faith stretching. I wonder if uh, you like, anyone here like to haggle when you're shopping? You know, whether, no, I see a shake of the head, I'm with your sister. No one? I, oh, there's one. Okay, thanks, Lynn. I meet all the... I thought I was sounding quieter. The other day I went into a different retailer and I uh, was buying a microwave and someone had made a mistake and the price on the shelf was lower than what had been, what, what the actual price was. Um, and they ended up giving me the shelf price. It was like saving a $50 or something. But I still had to ask. When it comes to prayer, many Christians, and it's not an unreasonable uh, guess but you know we think God knows my needs and God loves me so why do I actually need to ask God for anything uh, why do I need to come to him in prayer with my requests and yet James 4 2 says you do not have because you do not ask so is God like one of these retail assistants that is willing to say yes, but only if we ask. We kind of have to wring it out of him. So today we're going to read from Luke chapter 11, starting at verse 5. If you uh, have the church app, uh, you can open it up in the notes and the, uh, the reading is in there. I uh, encourage you to... I sort of do this because it's easy to read from, this big Bible but it's also, it just encourage you to read from a physical Bible. It's a different experience. Anyway, Luke 11, verse 5, which follows on the heels of Luke's account of the Lord's Prayer. So then it says, He, Jesus, also said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I don't have anything to offer him. Then he will answer from inside and say, Don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I have gone to bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he won't get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his friend's shameless boldness, he'll get up and give him as much as he needs. 
So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You know, sometimes it might seem like uh, God's like the neighbor uh, who is asleep, you know, when someone knocks on his door at, at midnight. We sort of got to wake him up. We've got to disturb him to, uh, to get an answer to prayer. To understand this parable, you sort of have to put yourself, as with so many, in, in, in the mindset of a, a first century Jew. And actually, probably in a lot of places uh, today even, where hospitality was a really big deal. And it was something of a disgrace if a guest came, even if they're uninvited, and you didn't look after them properly. You didn't offer them proper hospitality. And so Jesus says, imagine someone comes to your house. It's the middle of the night. They've been on a long journey and the pantry's empty, which was, you know, a big possibility when you're living in a sort of subsistence hand-to-mouth culture. There's nothing there. What do you do? Well, you could be rude and offend your guest which is really poor form and and really shameful or you could go and hassle a friend the problem is that in these poorer communities people tend to live in a single room i had a friend actually who was a missionary to uzbekistan i think and he rented a room of uh, a family there which meant the whole family then had to live asleep in the lounge room so mum dad and the kids all slept in the lounge room together because that's uh, as big a house as they could afford and in fact in the first century they also kept the livestock in the house as well so uh, if, if they had livestock you've got the whole family there in the room they've got the livestock and then what happens is neighbor comes along and but it's a wood door so it's probably a bit louder than that uh, and so the real danger there is you're going to wake the neighbour, uh, the no- wake the family, and you know if it's a bit more of a tight knit community, maybe you're banging loudly because you're desperate. You're going to wake the neighbours. No one's going to be happy with this situation. But it's better to be an annoying friend than a rude ho- host. So you call on the friend, and it goes pretty much as you expected. Not happy. But Jesus says, not because they're a friend, not that good a friend, but because of the neighbor's shameless boldness. Or I love, if you're following in the NIV, how that puts it, it says shameless audacity. The neighbor will give whatever he wants. Just be quiet and get the heck out of here. And Jesus goes on and says to pray like that, to ask, to seek, to knock, to bang on the door of heaven loudly, until it's opened he says be audacious in your prayers but why if god loves me and god knows why do i have to be audacious is god like the grumpy neighbor where 
you know, we have to wake him up. Or we, we have to just be really persistent. Is he like the sales assistant who wants a sale but will only give the discount if we ask? Of course, that's not Jesus' point. This parable isn't actually about a friend who needs to be woken up. It's about a friend, a neighbour who's in desperate need and comes with an audacious, shameless, bold request. It's actually about how we should pray, not that God needs waking up. And in fact, the Bible tells us that God is eager to give us gifts. James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. And then Jesus goes on and at the end of this uh, little story here, he says, What father among you, if a son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil... That's pretty confronting. But, you know, compared to the perfect God, when we look at the standards of heaven, we are evil. But even though we're evil, we still do good. We still love to lavish our children with gifts. And he says, well, if you are evil, by God's standards, how much will more will God, who is good and perfect, lavish gifts, lavish the Holy Spirit on those who ask him? God loves to give, give, and his hands are open. He's not stingy, and he's not asleep. So why do we have to bang on the door? Well, as I think about my life, there, there are occasions my parents have offered to help us out uh, with material help or, or financial help. In fact, one day I was threatening to buy a motorcycle because we need an extra set of wheels and I thought it'd be cheap and actually I wanted a motorcycle <laughs> and that freaked out my mum and they gave us a car for free it's like as an adult it was really weird but it was a real blessing I ended up passing that on to someone else as well for free but the offer is always there and, and on the table so the question is, why don't they just give us the money? I mean, they're saying, look, it'll come out of your inheritance anyway, so, you know, if you need help, take it. Why don't they just put it into my account? They know what my account number is. Well, I think part of it is because we're independent, autonomous adults. And, you know, to do that, although it's extremely generous, um, in, in that context, it's perhaps a little bit of an imposition, um, a little bit embarrassing. And I wonder if God's a little bit like that with us. He knows our need, but he also respects our autonomy, our independence, our adulthood. Uh, and he, in, in this context, won't impose his will on us. Now, God's will is always done, right? Um, and, and, you know, there are times God comes and he imposes his will. But there's a difference between a loving father offering a gift and a king who is bringing judgment imposing that and so God waits for us to ask not because he needs waking up not because he's stingy but because he loves us and he treats us like adults 
In fact, I've noticed, probably because this is me a little bit, that a lot of people have trouble asking uh, for help. Anyone here have trouble asking for help? Or even sometimes receiving a gift, except maybe outside of birthdays and Christmas when it's just a done thing. And, and that's okay because I'm giving you a gift as well. So it's, a, it's my gift. Is my gift good enough or is yours a bit stingy? I don't know. What, what's the value of the gifts we're giving this group? I don't know. We don't want to appear weak. We don't want to appear somehow indebted to the other person. But here's the thing, in these kinds of relationships with God, the Bible is clear, and I was going to quote verses, but there were just too many, that when we come to God, we need to come in humility and dependence. That's what gets God's attention. And when we come to God as children, dependent on a loving Father who loves to give, we're expressing our reliance on Him, we're expressing our faith in him and rather than him having to impose his will on us like some rebellious child that doesn't know what's good for them we are submitting ourselves as beloved sons and daughters that the father loves to lavish his gifts on it's just a completely different disposition we need to ask not because God is stingy, but because he loves us. But Jesus' parable here is about audacious prayer, bold prayer. Why do we need to come boldly and ask him? In fact, when Jesus said to ask, seek and knock, uh, the grammar of the Greek here implies ongoing. It's keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking until you get an answer, until you find what you're looking for, until the door is open. Here in Luke, this parable comes just after the Lord's Prayer. And, um, you know, the Lord's Prayer, uh, we looked at that a couple of weeks ago, it's a really simple prayer. And some churches will treat it ritualistically. Sometimes we pray it here as a church. But it can seem almost insignificant. Okay, I've done it, that's enough. But perhaps Jesus goes on to tell this story straight away because he wants us to understand that prayer isn't just ritualistic like perhaps the people had heard uh, coming from the mouths of religious people in the day or that in the simplicity of this prayer we might be deceived into thinking that this is all there is, just parrot this. And so, to show us that we're not just to go through the motions, Jesus teaches or tells this parable of the shameless neighbour. Now, when we look at the parable, I hammed it up a little bit, right? But that's, that's the parable. It's kind of humorous, kind of a little bit ridiculous uh, what's going on like there. And Jesus is using this humour to bring home the point that just like the neighbour, the friend is audacious and has to be audacious in his request, we can and should be audacious in our prayers we should ask because God isn't just a reluctant neighbor he wants to give we will get an answer to that prayer we will seek we will find what we seek the door will be opened he says keep looking and you'll find and this kind of 
implies that what we're looking for isn't immediately uh, obvious. Perhaps it's a li little bit like me when I'm looking for something at the shops and uh, there's a whole, you know, I, I was looking the other day for this particular paper size, it's a little bit unusual and I'm going up and down the aisles at Office Works, and because I'm a man, I am not going to ask an assistant for help because that's not cool. Until I find out it's not there. Now that wasn't case, it's quite quite the case in this one. But you know, you're up and down. You got to look and look and look until you find it. Why? Because there's a whole lot of distraction. There's a whole lot of other things out there. I'm I'm looking for this one, and and sometimes life is like that. There's a lot of distractions in life. It's not that God is withholding something or even hiding it. It's just that this world, this particularly material plane, has a lot of distraction, a lot of things that keep us from seeing what it is that we're looking for. And we need to press in and press through all of that until we find it. We have to knock and knock until the door's opened. But what is it we're asking for? And what are we looking for? And what is it that we want opened? What is it that makes us desperate enough to get up in the middle of the night, and actually in prayer sometimes this is literal, and hassle God and hassle God and not stop hassling God until we get the breakthrough we're after? You know, to pray this sort of audacious, and persistent prayer you've either got to be really desperate like the neighbor in the parable or else you've got to have a big dream have you ever had a big dream where it takes a lot of work you've got to keep pressing on and there might be obstacles and and you just got to keep working at it until it happens well actually in in this reading this morning jesus now, there's an application here for sure when you have a need, but Jesus also presents a dream to us. And I think it's a dream of the kingdom of God. In Matthew's version of Ask, Seek and Knock, he simply says the Father is uh, willing to give good gifts to those who ask. So ask God for good gifts. But here in Luke, he says, the Heavenly Father will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him how much more will he than we give good gifts to our children and i think this is an application where in the lord's prayer we're praying that god's kingdom come so how does the kingdom come how is the kingdom manifest jesus returns to the father and sends the holy spirit the holy spirit is god's presence is jesus presence with us and through him the kingdom comes. As we look through Luke, we see that the Holy Spirit is really closely tied to Jesus and to his kingdom ministry. So right at the start, Jesus is conceived of the Holy Spirit. And then when John the Baptist comes proclaiming the way of the Messiah, he says, I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In Luke 4:18, when he's in Nazareth and he reads from the prophet Isaiah, he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And then that Isaiah passage describes the kingdom ministry. The blind will see, uh, prisoners will be set free. Um, the, the 
good news will be preached to the poor. When Jesus comes out of his baptism, the Holy Spirit leads him into the wilderness. And then fast forward to Acts, and on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit is poured out, and the church starts to do all the stuff that Jesus did. And Jesus says in this parable to keep shamelessly and boldly asking God, seeking and knocking until he gives you that thing which he is so willing to give. The Holy Spirit and the manifestation of his kingdom. God loves give good gifts and he longs to manifest his kingdom generously but have a think about this the kingdom is not something that is given lightly it's not a cheap gift it's a gift God will give generously but it's not one he'll give chief, chiefly, uh, cheaply it's not one he's going to give to a casual prayer because honestly if we're just praying a casual prayer about it we're probably not actually ready to receive it in its fullness in Matthew 13 44 to 46 Jesus told a couple of parables about the kingdom he says the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field when a man found it he hid it again and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field and again the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls and when he found one of great value he went away and sold everything he had and bought it Seeing the kingdom come is, is a commitment. It's an investment of ourselves, of our lives. It's something of immeasurable worth. And so it's not something that's going to be given lightly. And it's not something that should be asked for lightly. But it is something that will be given, that we will find, that the door will be open to when we do ask earnestly. And so an audacious prayer really is a, a prayer to ask God to manifest the kingdom in us and through us and around us. Have a think about this. What do you think the kingdom of God means? If Jesus was here, and Jesus is here through the Spirit, but if he was here physically, like in the first century, what do you think it would look like? Can you imagine what Jesus would be doing? The sort of, you get me, sorry, the sort of power Jesus would bring in his preaching. The conviction he would bring to us. Physical healing that we'd get, the deliverance we'd see, the people that would be coming to hear him and receive from him and also to crucify him. Can you imagine what that manifestation of the kingdom could look like? And sometimes does. It's not a small prayer. It's an audacious prayer when we understand what the kingdom can mean. And when we start to knock on heaven's door. Open up. God, open up. And it's as we knock on that door and keep knocking that I think we start to get ready and God's like, 
They're nearly ready. Nearly. We're almost there. I am so ready to give them this thing. And then we give up. For whatever reason. Discouragement. We lose faith. We lose hope. Whatever it is. The good thing is, <laughs> we can start that knocking again. We can keep looking. The gift is still there. It's not going anywhere. God hasn't passed us over. But imagine what it would look like if the kingdom came to our homes, to our families, to our workplaces, to our neighbourhoods in a way that we couldn't stop and they couldn't stop. And God wouldn't want to stop. I think in this, Jesus challenges us to enter into the quest for his kingdom seriously and zealously. God loves to give good gifts. God loves his church. God loves his world. What are we going to do with it? Let's pray. So, Father... We want to see you move. But I know for me, I'm also so wrapped up in, in the things of this life. It's easy to lose focus, to get distracted, to see you shiny, something else on the shelf. To be embarrassed, to perhaps be afraid of what you're going to do. Father, perhaps to be afraid of what you might not do. Father, teach us to pray bold, audacious prayers that you can release what you want to release among us. Lord, whatever that looks like, that we can be transformed and we can see this world transformed. Not by anything in us, but all by you. In Jesus' name, amen.